when every tribe, kindred, and tongue is around the throne. If that's a foretaste, we're in for some good stuff in heaven, aren't we, Terry? God bless you, choir, soloists, all of our instrumentalists, praise man. I love when gifts are used for God, right? And that amen at the end just takes you right there. Good to see you. Uh, where were you last week? <laughs> where were you, Pastor? I was here. I was out in the roads at 5.30, and the roads were good, except for one thing. Where trees fall across them, you can't get around. But when I came there, no trees were down in my neighborhood, so I drove here, went online, talked with Steve Cruz for a little bit, and uh, began to pray and say, God, what do we need to do today? Looks like it's teetering on 32. Every pastor just loves that when that's happening. So eventually I just, just bowed. I was just praying, saying, God, I just need a word from you. I went online, looked at Duke Power, and saw the powers in Guilford County, more and more outages. And I asked last service how many folks had missed their power. Probably at least half of those folks had. And how many here were out power last week? Let me see. Look around here. Well, that's amazing. Well, we have it this week, and we're good, aren't we? So good to see you. God bless you. Going to be talking about the favorite subject where if you invited a friend or guest today, they're going to love you. We're talking about giving today, right? <laughs> Pastor of all the days. What, what are you thinking? Well, I want people to be blessed, and what better way to get blessed and start out with a great example of giving from our friend Bubba, who was asked what he had given his wife for the 25th wedding anniversary by Cletus. Well, I give her a trip to China, and next year I'm going back to get her, right? <laughs> That's not a good example of giving. What we want to talk about today is great examples for giving. So if you're here and thinking about, I'm going to tell these people I just need to go to the restroom when I'm walking home or getting out, please hang on with us, please, because giving is a blessing, right? Giving is a blessing. And I unashamedly come before you today to talk about what the Word of God says regarding material giving, monetary giving. The Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about it. I'm obligated, having been ordained to preach and teach the whole counsel of God, to stand before you and say, here's what the Word of God says about giving. Because after all, true giving is true worship. Many people miss the dynamic of worship in their giving because it's become more of an obligation than just a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So I ask you today, is your heart in your worship? Is your heart in the giving? Bring up our first passage, if you would, found in First Chronicles 29, 9 through 14. If you're watching on our simulcast, welcome, whether you're in Texas, Florida, around the world, welcome. Glad to have you joining us today. First Chronicles 29, 9 through 14. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord God of our fathers Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For, listen carefully, for everything in heaven and earth 
is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We start out with this beautiful passage because it encapsulates the best of giving in it. So we're going to look at this and spring off at some other verses that deal with the dynamic of giving. Giving, you must remember, is a natural response of love, is it not? Perhaps one of the most familiar verses in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, God didn't send an animal, he didn't send junk, didn't send gold, sent his best. And so we have the model for what giving is all about. Giving is out of the first fruits, it's not asking the wrong kinds of questions. Well, after I pay everything and I have something left over, how much should I give to God if there's anything left? Giving starts at the very top. Pastor, should it be out of my gross or should it be out of my net? What should it be out of? Well, don't blame God for the taxes on earth, right? If God has given you those resources, use it all for him. Now, during this message, you'll see a lot of verses in Old and New Testament. Some some folks may be even thinking right now, I I know about tithing in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And I've heard many of the challenges about passages in the New Testament. Let's talk about it, okay? First of all, let's... As we break down this verse, let's look at it. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a true believer in the living God of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of heaven and earth, do you see this passage? For everything in heaven and earth is yours, do you believe it? See, it didn't sound like you believed it. So we're going to try again. Do you really believe that? Thank you. You see, once we do, it begins to change how we give. We believe everything is his. Well, that's true, Pat, except for what my paycheck has my name on it, right? And my mortgage has my name on it. Ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully. It's only on loan. We're stewards. God calls us stewards. You're taking care of it. Well, how come my name's on it? Well, it's on there. But after you stop breathing, you take nothing with you. God will want to know, what did you do with what I gave you? So, when you fundamentally believe, and this is simple. This is uh, Vince Lombardi saying, this is a football. Everything in heaven and earth is yours, and it's talking to God. Once you get by that, giving becomes something that is different than it is for most people. Many people give out of obligation. It says, wealth and honor come from all of my degrees and hard work that, no, Wealth and honor come from you. Dear friend, how much did you pay for the air you're breathing today? Right? Think about your heart. How much did you pay for your pump called your heart that's pumping blood from the tips of your toes up back to your heart and all the way through the system? And what part of this earth did any of us create? 
God created all of it. Wealth and honor come from you, but who am I? Asked David, and who are my people that we should be able to give so generously as this? Who are we? We have given you only what comes from your hand. You see, if you believe verse 11 that God owns everything, saying what we're giving back to you is only a portion of what you've given to us. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. So, what is it talking about? Well, just like today, people get connected today, and there's all kinds of places around this world, even right now, that are in worship services or some kind of a religious service. And many people will have a plate passed by them later, or they're giving online because they have to. They'll give something, or a li- however much or little. But look at this next passage, if you wouldn't. Our second point today, God requires more than external response in our giving. Giving is an obligation. We should give. But I dare say, if you've ever attended anything as an anniversary party, a birthday, we have something coming up next month as we celebrate Valentine's Day. By the way, don't forget to get your tickets out there for that. We're going to have a great time on the Sunday before... uh, Valentine's Day, wonderful time. Tickets will go fast, just giving you a reminder. Jimmy, you owe me on that, all right? No, it sells out every year. That's why I'm giving you a reminder. No one wants to get a card. Oh, my goodness, I got you this card because I had to. We're married. And then see, on the, you open up the card, and there's a ball and chain that comes out. You know, I, ha- I was obligated to do it. So what happened in Israel is they started to bring sacrifices and it lost its significance behind the sacrifice. See, they were supposed to bring the first fruits of what they had. They weren't to look through all the cattle that had been reproducing and say, you know, this one's got some real problems. They're probably not going to live anyway. Barely breathing. Let's sacrifice this to God. They were to bring their best, their best of the crop, their best of their cattle. We kind of lost that. See, they had to make a conscious choice. All of our money looks about the same, just different numbers on it, right? But they had to bring their best. But it got to the point where it became rote. It became habit, like a drudgery, an obligation. Now, you can start there. It's the old thing that so many have heard. God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a grouch, right? But we want to grow from obligation into the love relationship. God, thank you. Giving today is a blessing. Thank you, we can do that because you own everything anyway. This is ridiculous. You own everything. And I have the privilege of giving something back to you. The Word of God says in Psalm 50, verse 8, I do not rebuke you for your sacrifice or your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I don't rebuke you for it. They're ever before me, but I don't need more cattle and stuff. You know why? Bring up the next slide if you would. He doesn't need sacrifices for food. Some of you perhaps get your nails done or hair cut in a place where they may be of a religion where they worship different types of gods. Any in here that go in, they may have an elephant or some other little creature that they may be worshiping as a god, and you'll see food in front of it. Anyone there going to some of those places? Okay, or see some. I've been in some of those and seen that. Even some restaurants, you'll see a little tray, and there's food in front of it, right? Have you ever seen that? 
plaster of Paris elephant. Or, and I don't, have you ever seen that, that God eating food? No. Now, I, saying that, please hear me saying with all due respect to any other worldview. I'm simply pointing out something that is inconsistent with God. God does not need sacrifices for food. They weren't bringing the animal up there and God said, great, another barbecue today. That's great. God does not need anything because he's self-existent. Just that word is very hard to comprehend. But he is self-existent. In Psalm 50, verses 9 through 11, it says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills know every bird. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. God doesn't need another animal, doesn't need another dollar, doesn't need more gold. God owns everything. Then we start with that, didn't we? He does. So what is it really about? What are we talking about? We're talking about giving as a natural response of love. Since God has everything except for something, and it's our hearts, God is saying, this is an opportunity to love me from your heart. Not to be obligated to come and put something in the offering plate. Once again, we'll take it from a grouch also. But we want to use it for God's kingdom work. So God helps us to put things in perspective by bringing the first fruits of our check. Not going through our bills and saying, okay, I've got uh, no money left again this month. We'll see what happens next month. See, that's not a sacrifice except to self. And we want to blame economies and all other excuses on our poor judgment. God says, I want you to use the right kind of judgment. That may mean you have to sacrifice and cut out something so that you can return to me what is rightfully mine anyway. Pastor, you've gone to meddling now. I knew I shouldn't have invited so-and-so or I shouldn't have come myself. Why couldn't last week be that? I have two weeks of work on this. I really got it down now. Listen, God has no need for a bull or for my money or your money. God is looking for a heart. Now, if we do get resources in, and we do, what are we using it for? We have babies through seniors where ministry money goes. We have food, shepherd shelf, 52 weeks a year. We have lots of ways we're reaching out to people. And that's a privilege. It's an honor, is it not? Because a lot of the investments we have, you know, there's two Celebration of Life services here last week in this room. Life goes fast. And you take nothing. None of us take anything with us, do we? God says, why you can invest in something that's going to last forever. So the Word of God tells us God doesn't need something except one thing. He even has the animals cooperate with him. They migrate where they're supposed to go. The birds do it. Whales do it. Animals do it. People are the only beings you create that don't cooperate with them because we become arrogant. It's my hard work and my things and my way. Listen carefully. In Deuteronomy 8.18, the Word of God says, For it is He who gives you the ability to provide. It is God Himself. Well, I'm, I worked harder. Well, God gave the ability to do that. It's God. It all belongs to him, period. 
So what is giving? True giving is something that's an internal act of worship. When you begin to look at giving as an act of worship, it changes the whole idea behind what it's about. Because it can get lost because of obligation. The place come by, I have to give. I'm supposed to give. I was taught to give. Well, listen carefully. That's right. We are obligated to give because we're believers. We're children of God. But it's beyond that. We're obligated in friendship to do certain things. But you don't want to have your friends say, oh, i got to do it. I'm your friend. Do things out of love. And how much more so when God gave us his best to give our best to him. And so this is one of those ways. If you're looking to see whether you're really a closet agnostic or a real believer, look at your checkbook. Look at your bank statement if you give online. Look at it. It will tell you where your heart and where your treasure is. Over the years, I've helped people in closing estates. And in doing that, sometimes I'm just looking through checkbooks or going through things. And I love seeing a track record of someone that really believed and gave. The problem is that we have a gene inside of all of us from the momentum of the flesh called the excuse gene. Perhaps you've heard of it, right? True worship, it is an internal act of worship. True giving is. In Psalm 50, 14, sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. I stand before people, and I've done it hundreds of times. A man, a woman, there's people seated out there all dressed nicely. There's flowers, and they exchange vows. What do we call that? Someone over there said a funeral. No, it's not that. <laughs> said there's two people. It's a wedding. And so you say those vows, and no one gets to the end where you, they say, I do not. You say some vows. And there's some vows we should say to God when we become a believer. Say, God, you own me. You purchased me according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, where it tells me, why don't you know your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God, and you're not your own. I don't even own me. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. So I own everything. I've given you some things on this earth. Take what is first. Show what is first in your life. You see, that's an act of worship. When you write the checkout or something comes out of your account, online first it tells what's first in our lives doesn't it not the last thing well i got 14 dollars left and i'll tithe off that that's a dollar 40 well that's not much i'll just keep it listen as a pastor I, i i have no axes to grind i 35 years of in congregations and speaking with people. I found so many that have found blessing in giving. I would be honest with you and tell you that I found many who are just excuse makers. God, I can't do it yet. Do you know why? Because I'm a student. I can't give yet. I don't make too much. I can't give yet. I thank God. Pro- probably was good for me. I got, came into a relationship with Jesus Christ when I did. I was college age. Someone told me about the gift of eternal life. They kept loving on me, talking to me about it. And I came to a point in my life where I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I never heard of what a tithe was or giving. I was raised in a church. 
believed a lot of good things about the Bible, but not the whole Bible, didn't hardly know any of the Bible. They'd pass around a plate or have a, uh, um, a container on a long rod and pass it up and down aisles and put in a little bit, whatever that was, or take some out if you needed some, I guess. I didn't know what a tithe was. After I became a believer in Jesus and I was off to Bible college, I talked about tithing. What's tithing? It's a tenth. Bible talks about giving a tenth back to God. I never heard about that. Where is that in the Bible? I saw that. I was working a couple of jobs back in the old days, making $110, eventually making $110 a week. And I knew that 10, that's $11. And I had $11 to spare at the end of the week. Wink, wink. I had school bill. My family had disowned me. And I had a car payment. By the way, the last car payment I ever had. I said, God, if you please help me sell my car, I'll never have a car payment again. Right? I'm not trying to be prescriptive to you. I'm just telling you the truth. But I knew out of that money that came to me, the first $11 I put aside, and that goes to the offering, period. It's where it goes. I didn't say I don't have any money, don't have any resources. I'm paying my own way through school. I've got no other place to go because God owns everything. The Word of God said do it. And I wasn't churched enough to make an excuse yet. Right? I, I, this is what it says. Probably good for me because that excuse gene lives in me also. Very much so. So God taught me something about internal act of worship. Because I knew when I gave it, I won't have any money for food. I already knew it. Now if you're a single male and whatever, God provided it. It may have been chicken bone soup, ketchup soup. Or some bread because I found some deposit bottles. But God always provided for me. And it's in that walk of faith that God showed me some things about life. And has given me more, more, so much more than I ever need. And I know he's done the same for you. But that's where I learned some things in life. I never felt sorry for myself. I was blessed I could do that. Wished I could give more. That's what I gave. Giving is something we should be practiced Regularly. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, now about the collection for God's people, what does it say? Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money and keep them with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. The Word of God talks prescriptively about systematic giving. Systematic giving. We don't have an agrarian society now where we're taking our lambs or, or crops or other things. We use it through income. And we use the income when it comes into the local church storehouse to bless the church, to be ministered to our city, to do things we couldn't do individually. God allows us to do that. And if everything we have belongs to God, does it? Of course it does. Then... How can we think 10% is so great? Amen? I'll tell you why. Because we've set many times, and I'm speaking generally, a bar so low. Because many people don't give anything, don't even attend church, that we can justify just, oh, we give a little bit. Better than most people are doing. 
let yourself be robbed of the blessing of worshiping the true and living God. You see, true giving is true worship. It's not that I got to give, it's that we get to give. That we get to show God, God, you own all of me. I'm not going to be an excuse maker when it comes to you. I'm going to trust you. If I go into the furnace and I burn up, I burn up. But I know you can save me out of it. You see, we've allowed our own human thinking to stop us from doing what God has already told us to do. And we use common human sense to get ourselves into more trouble. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to couples depressed. Pastor, we'd like to give. We can't. We can't even take care of our bills. Why? Because we have something in our world called renting our prosperity. You can get a new credit card every week, find some new thing they say you're missing. You deserve this. You should have this. Show people on a vacation having fun. Doesn't your family deserve fun? Go out and charge a vacation. It only costs you six or eight thousand dollars. Go see the mouse wherever you want to go. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a vacation. But maybe there's a state park nearby, right? You know what I love when we're asking God to bless this ground that was just a, a lawn out here? We had people that for several years committed to this worship center so that people can come from our city. And some of them took local vacations for several years. Some drove their beater cars three more years so they can do it. Some made simple notes and said, you know what? I buy a cup of so-and-so's coffee every day for this much. If I just gave that much, that would be this amount of money. But we've become so accustomed to thinking we earned it, we should have it. When God says, I own everything. I own it all. Why do you think that's even so great to return 10%? Now, hear me saying this. On the, conversely, it is a great, wonderful thing if it's used as worship. And today, for those who just give, what we're saying is, learn, if you haven't learned it already, to be a hilarious giver. God, thank you. Yes, this is for you. Right off the top, God. Whatever happens, happens. And yes, God, maybe there's some things, as I look at my budget, that I really don't need in there. I thought I needed it, and I don't need it. I know. Don't spend my money, Pastor. I'm not telling you anything I haven't been down the road with. I'm telling the truth. God's Word. But it doesn't matter. My experience doesn't matter. The Word of God tells me this is what we are supposed to do. Now, percentage giving. Where is it found? You see a great question in this passage in the great Italian book of Malachi. But it's not Malachi, right? (laughs) Malachi 8.10. It asks a question. I'm going to ask you to answer it. After I read it, will a man rob God? Every day. Amen? Will a man rob God? You better believe they will. Yet you rob me. That's what God says. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Now, is God saying you're going into my checking account and robbing him? No. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. 
a man by the name of Letourneau, who had owned a giant equipment company, earth-moving equipment. When he started out, as the story is told, you know how it is starting a business. You don't want to, don't tithe yet until you have enough. So what do you do? Well, I'm in school. I can't tithe yet. Well, how about now? Well, I got married. I can't afford to tithe yet. Well, you married a few years. Yeah, but now we have kids. We can't tithe yet. Well, they've gotten older now. Yeah, but they're in college now. We can't tithe yet. Um, well, now you're getting ready to retire. Yeah, now we're on a fixed income. I can't tithe yet. Well, now you're going to die tomorrow. Yeah, maybe I'll tithe off my next check. Listen, there's never a convenient time that's going to come across to you that will be convenient to say, I'm going to start now. If you're already so un- under the... The, the pressure of all your bills starts someplace till you work up to that. I've said that over the years. I get letters, notes, calls from people, my church in, in Texas, where people started. They worked up $5 a week, $8 until they could. I don't want you to leave here beat up. I want you to leave here blessed because of $5 all you can start with. Start with something and say, God, I want to get to that. I want to get to that point. Now, Letourneau started, and people said, don't start with your 10%, you're starting a business, but he did. You know, by the time he was at, toward the end, end of his life, he did a reverse tithe. You know what that is? He kept 10% and gave 90% because God gave him so much. Now, I'm not preaching health and wealth. Hear me saying that. I'm just telling you that's what God says. The world says, show me and I'll believe. God says, believe and I'll show you. I'm going to ask you right now, don't answer out loud, answer in your brain. Has God provided for your needs so far? For your needs. Let me, now, I want you to raise your hand this one. Has he given you even some of your wants? Thank you. Thank you. Many of us think of ourselves as poor. But I submit to you out of seven and a half billion we're li- people on earth, we're living pretty well, aren't we? Aren't we? We need to change our thinking. We need to go back to worship. True giving is true worship. That's what God says. And once again, he says in Deuteronomy 8.18, I even give you the ability to produce wealth. That's what he says. To take away arrogance from anyone who thinks, I'm so smart, I'm so good, I produce this much, I bought this stock, I invested in this company, I did a start, whatever it is. God says, I gave you that ability. It doesn't change the fact that I own everything, plus the ability you have to do that. So what does God want? He wants generous giving. Generous giving, 2 Corinthians 9, 16. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's spiritually, even materially. People leave this earth every day. What are you sending on ahead? You see, when I leave this earth, I don't want to know that, uh, something that says, you know, Lawndale kind of just dried up. Nothing happened there anymore. I challenged our last service which has a lot more seniors in it. And there's some in this room. But let me just say this. God can call us home at any time because Jesus said, you don't know about your life even tomorrow. And I challenge them, have you put this church in your will? Pastor, now you really stepped over another line, getting in my personal will and everything. I'm not in your, listen, between you and God, I'd be errant not to say it. Wouldn't you rather be up in heaven 
knowing that some of your resources went to go teach boys and girls at VBS, give out food and have someone get saved because they came to a shepherd shelf, to be introduced to Christ through a vacation Bible school or life journey class or come to a young married class of having a struggle and get saved. You see, I want to know that things keep and continue on. It takes resources to do that. So I challenge you also, put an addendum in there, do it. Start with 10% and go up. God showed me that, PJ and I in our lives, PJ and me in our lives, and that's what we did. Decided we're going to do something. That work keep going on. Don't stop. If our people had been doing that the last 10 or 20 years, there's a whole lot more probably we could be doing even in this city. Be thinking about it. Take it in the most positive sense. Be a generous giver. Because God's generously blessed all of us, has he not? Say, don't cut yourself short. We're so momentary now. Get the information in a second. You're going to put some things in the ground now that will come up later. My $11 didn't pay tremendous financial dividends initially, although I would say God always provided for my needs. And I wasn't looking to get something. I was just blessed to do it. But I can say this to you through the course of my life. He will take you if you need to. He may not take you through the front door. He'll take you through a side door, a window, a chimney, a tunnel. But he'll get you where you need to be. And he'll take care of you because he promised, not me. This is not Joe's word. It's God's word. He said, I'm going to provide for you. But don't sow sparingly. Don't put a few seeds in the ground when you can put lots of seeds in the ground and raise a crop up. God will bless you for it. God wants faithful giving. Do you know why? There's a principle behind it. You see what it says in Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet. What's the next word? All your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's a promise from God, isn't it? So we either find out we're closet agnostics or we're real believers. We find out if we are really, truly worshiping God through real giving, sacrificial giving, because true worship involves true giving, and true giving involves true worship, because that's what God has modeled for us. So today, God may have used his Holy Spirit to bless some in this room, and maybe even to convict some in this room, If you have an issue with me personally for speaking about or talking about those things, have it with me, but don't have it with God. Don't have it with him. He wants to bless every person in this room. And he doesn't need the animal, he doesn't need the money, but he needs and wants our heart. He wants worship. Is your heart in your worship? Is your heart in your giving? It can change the whole way that we approach that. Once again, if you haven't started giving a tenth at this point and offerings above that, start where you can. It starts with your heart saying, God, own it. Repent of it and say, God, I just want to own it. I can't get the down. I put myself in trouble. I own it. I rented my prosperity. But God, I'm going to work my way out of that systematically so I can at least tithe. And God will bless that with you. There are people sitting in this room right now that have done that hard. They have done that. That may be your pledge today.
as pastors are coming forward. I don't know what God has done today in your heart. I pray it's been soft and malleable. That you've listened to what the Holy Spirit of God wanted to teach today. In the word of blessing, conviction, rebuke, positively going forward. I don't know what it is. But if he has, you may want to come and pray alone or pray with someone and say, You know what? God spoke to me today through his word. And I've robbed God, but I don't want to rob God anymore. See, that's his passage. I don't want to do it anymore. And you can come down with a smile on your face. Because when we repent of something, we're just agreeing with God and owning it and moving on from there. So today you can start that. Today you may be coming as a candidate for membership or not. Boy, there's not a better. I came to see what's happening here today. Thank you for preaching that because I'm never coming back. You saved me some time. Listen, you can ask this church body. I don't preach on this every week. There are times where it comes up and I just preach on it because it's right. And I've been called to preach the whole counsel of God and I'd be a coward and love myself to preach something that's only everybody's going to like and fits every, just a great path. Thank you, Pastor. You encourage everybody. I want you to be encouraged, but I'm going to say the truth because before it ever comes here, it's got to come through here. And it's not easy, but it's right. So listen, if you're looking for a new church home, come today as a candidate for membership. We let, in fact, the new member class starts next week. You'll be blessed because I can tell you, God has brought so many wonderful things away. He has poured out his blessing. The storehouses are full. God has blessed this place. Not because we're great, but because he's great. Not because we don't have problems that have arisen over the years. We haven't told God how big our problems are. We've told our problems how big God is. That's the difference. And God's able to handle all of them. Today, if you need to come, because you need a church home, we want you to come today. Candidate for membership. And lastly, if you haven't received the gift of eternal life, the gift of eternal life, you may not even understand what I'm talking about. So I just want to say it again to be very clear. You cannot earn your way to heaven. No one can. That's why Jesus came to this earth. It's one of the biggest mysteries. People, I don't know why he came. But he came on a mission. Because we'd be separated from him forever because of sin. Separated in the place called hell. But God loved us so much. He said, I don't want that. I'm going to give you the opportunity to come be with me forever. And I'll pay your way. Because you see, sin can't enter into heaven. I'm going to pay for all of your sin. I'm going to die and bleed on the cross shed my blood for your sin. I'm coming out of the tomb three days later to pay your debt. My debt's bigger than any tithe I've ever given. My debt was hell, separation from God forever. God paid it for me and for you and offers eternal life as a gift. When you believe the record he's left, that he paid for all of your sin, that he rose from the dead and offers eternal life as a gift, and you can receive it today. You can talk to us about that. We'd love to talk to you about that. Jesus wants to be your Savior, the only one that can save you. And he wants to be your Lord. That is, to give him control in your life. Let him be your boss. Not because you're obligated, but because you love him. So I'm asking you to stand. Terry's here to lead us. Don't wait. Respond, because I know God's spoken to hearts in here today. Come forward as God has led you in that way. Are you hurting and broken within?